Hey. Hey. How was your Thanksgiving? Was other than being so sick. <laughs> I was it was good. I was super sick though, yeah. That's really sad. Bad timing. And you didn't know uh, you were sick until you had already visited everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was I thought it was just like, you know, you get like a little bit of a scratchy throat when Yeah. Because the weather immediately switched from like being 50 degrees to like 20 degrees. That's no joke. Like we went from pretty nice fall weather to yeah. snow. So. so I thought it was just like a scratchy throat and like, I w- you know, I was just like super tired. I hadn't slept yeah. really. And then just throughout the day, I just kept getting worse and worse. And On I'd already, Thanksgiving? Yeah. And it was just like, oh no. <laughs> and then I missed Black Friday. Mm. Um, I don't shop. I had to work and I missed our Black Friday sale. Um, and then I missed Saturday, and then... That's so sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then Sunday, I was like, I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm going to go to, like, our normal competition shooting practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so bad. Oh. Like, I, I, got, I got up. I was like, I'm feeling okay. And then I went to practice, and we started, like, shooting through, like, the stages and stuff. And I was like, man, I'm yeah. not cut out for, like, 20 degree. <laughs> not I'm, at your best. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like... It's just not, I was slow and tired. and. I'm sorry. The cold air going into like a sick nose is like. We'll get him next time. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, my Thanksgiving was pretty good. Mine and Dirk's uh, work schedule lined up so that we were both off for the week, which doesn't usually happen. So that was really nice just to be able to stay home and relax for a couple of days. And then we were able to go and see family and we had a really good week. We, um, my favorite part of Thanksgiving break week was we moved this coffee table over to the other side of the living room and we put, um, our camping our sleeping mats that we take backpacking out on the floor. So they're kind of like little air mattresses and I surrounded them with pillows and we took every blanket we have in this house and covered it up and made this blanket palace here in the floor. Yeah. Like basically built a bed in the living room floor and we just laid on it and watched TV and like I read books and we kept it out the yeah. whole week. It was so nice actually just put it away this morning because we were going to record yeah <laughs> but it was it was really good it was very restful got to see family um i did have an incident that made me realize i'm getting old i think i'm old yeah. now because all of a sudden i don't approve of teenagers clothing and i say that only because it's not what you're thinking like wear what you want to wear but i was in the mall and this boy walked by with a shirt that said something so inappropriate on it like i'm not even going to say it on the podcast it was so inappropriate and i was just like oh my gosh like there's children here there's elderly here like put a jacket on um and then i was really hit with oh my gosh i'm getting old (laughs) Because I'm so, suddenly offended by the teenager's clothing. <laughs> yeah. But it really was. Like, I'll, I'll tell you separate, but it was so inappropriate for public. <laughs> I was I had shocked. A, recently, I had a thing with my own clothing that I was embarrassed about. I don't remember if I told you or not, but the the hat that I wear to the gym is uh, <laughs> yeah. says where the goth chick's at. Yeah. And well, I went to the gym like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And there were two girls who were there working out that they were like covered in tattoos and had black hair. And I was like, don't look at my, don't look at my, it's not, it's not about you. It's a joke. I don't want to speak to anybody. Don't, I was like, I can never wear my hat to the gym anymore. It's not funny anymore. Turn it around. Yeah. Well, then they would approach me from the back and that's worse. (laughs) 
they were, then they're sneaking up on me like, hey, oh my like gosh. I don't, <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm scared <laughs> to talk to women. Leave me alone. That's pretty funny. I need same company did a shirt that's um, SOF. It's uh, scared of females. <laughs> <laughs> but they discontinued uh, it before I could get it. I missed the drop and they discontinued good. it. Um, one more quick thing I just want to say before we start. If you are a fan of peppermint mocha, the frosted peppermint chip coffee at Chick-fil-A is so good. So go get it while it lasts before the season ends. It's delicious. But you do you like peppermint mocha? Nope. No, you're more of a plain coffee. No. You like chocolate coffee though. I like chocolate milk. That's what I have today, chocolate milk. <laughs> and it has chocolate milk. And that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, we both went for cold drinks today. Yep. Remember that time you had chocolate milk and I made hot chocolate and um, you were I like... I told you it was going to be too much. Yeah, and it yeah. was. So, yeah. Yeah, tummy ache city, am I right? <laughs> you live and you learn, though. Yeah. Like, I got to realize I'm not 16 anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't drink choc- hot chocolate made with chocolate milk now. Yeah. Again, we are getting older. Man. Things are changing. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Things old. Things are it's happening. Like, I think about like, I tried to do chocolate milk and hot chocolate together and that was like, that was bad news bears. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I remember some of the drinks I made in college. <laughs> like, <laughs> it would like golly, kill you now. It would just yeah, kill you. I would just be, you'd do my eulogy yeah, on the podcast, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I'm going to get started unless you have anything else. No, no more chit chat. Okay, here we follow go. the stuff. <laughs> follow the stuff. on the on the uh, what do we have? Instagram and Facebook is what yep. we have. Follow us. <laughs> do the do the show. Okay. First glance in Moundsville might have you wondering why there is a castle in the middle of a neighborhood. However, closer inspection reveals it's actually the now defunct West Virginia Penitentiary. Similar to the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Things started off well, but soon descended into violence and chaos. This is Country Country Roads Roads Creeps. All right, so this um, episode, I said like on our Facebook posts and stuff, or I told you to say it, that I was going to be talking about the Moundsville Penitentiary. That's actually not the correct name for it, but that's just what literally everyone calls it. Yep. It's really technically the West Virginia Penitentiary, but I'll probably just still call it Moundsville. Even though that's not really that's totally That's what it is. But yeah, I mean, that's what it's known by literally everyone because it's in Moundsville. I think that's even like their website. Uh, yeah, it probably is. I don't know. Yeah. It's not the title on the building, but we all know what we mean if we say Moundsville Penitentiary. Yup. Yeah. So obviously it is in the city of Moundsville, West Virginia. That's in Marshall County up in the northern panhandle. And this is like a big Gothic style prison. So there was a state prison um, at Joliet, Indiana, opened in 1858, and that served as the prototype for Moundsville. That's where the plans and the design came from. Mm -hmm. Both of these prisons resemble, honestly, like a fortress. They have turrets, like a castle. It's kind of crazy looking. It looks like a castle. They're huge stone structures built in Gothic architectural style. Um, And Moundsville was built at about half the size of the one at Joliet, but it's still big. So the one in Indiana must be humongous. There are no architectural drawings that have ever been discovered. They got lost somewhere along the way. But there's a report from the board of directors of the prison in 1867 that does give details about it. But we don't have the plans. You think in courthouse fire? No. Well, yeah, but also (laughs) I was thinking, I was like, maybe there weren't any drawings because they just did it just 
They just did it they by hand. The, yeah, they just put the bricks up and they're like, yeah, it looks good. They like didn't need a drawing. Freehanded it. Yeah, freehand, freehand fortress structure. Yeah. Um, so the report from the board of directors talks about getting a title for 10 acres of land and discusses a proposal to enclose seven of those acres. Some of the other details were um, the north side would have a street 60 feet wide. The west side would have 140 feet for a street, and there would be a yard in front of the buildings. Yep. So there's a little bit of a record there, but unfortunately no plans. That would have been cool to see, but they're gone. All right. So, um, okay. So the initial history of this building. We start in 1863. West Virginia has seceded from Virginia in the Civil War. Uh, because of this, there was a lack of all the public institutions, including prisons, and the governor, which at the time was Arthur I. Borman, tried to get the new state legislature to approve a penitentiary, but they kept saying no and telling him to send prisoners out of state or to just use the county jails that already existed. Uh, obviously, that wasn't really working. You right. kind of run out of places to put people. Um, and what made the legislature eventually change their minds was that in 1865, nine inmates escaped from Ooh. one of the county jails or something. They're like, okay, maybe maybe we do need a better facility here. So is this when the capital was in Moundsville? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hmm. How many times did it switch? Do you remember? I don't remember. Was it? No. It was Moundsville and then it was Charleston. And then did they switch back and forth again, or was it Charleston and then Moundsville and then Charleston again? I don't know. My eighth grade, West Virginia history, has escaped my brain at this point. Yeah. Um, so they realize there's a problem. They need to do something, and they do eventually approve the construction of a state prison. Like I said earlier, they bought 10 acres of land, and this was, at the time, just outside the city limits of Moundsville. So Wikipedia said they bought that land for $3,000. The West Virginia Encyclopedia.org said they bought it for $50,000. Huge difference there. Yeah. I mean, probably the West Virginia Encyclopedia is correct, but especially in like I don't old, know, I wasn't there. Old money. Times. Yeah. So you think it was 3,000 or 50,000? Uh continue and I'll look up the conversion rate. <laughs> okay, so that happened on February 7th, 1866. And they, the reason they chose this spot is because the area, oh, I told you wrong. The capital wasn't Moundsville. It was Wheeling at this time. Oh, yeah. Now we Wheeling. both look dumb. Well, we are kind of dumb, but it's okay. Facts. We do our best. So the reason they, they picked this spot outside of Moundsville, it was only 12 miles from Wheeling, which was the capital at the time. So uh, the legislature like approves a temporary wooden prison to be built for the summer, while the permanent design was being chosen. Did you find the rates for that money? Yes. Um, for 1863 three, or whatever? The relative worth of $3,000 in 1866 is... Uh, spit, uh, so, this is a weird website. I don't know why. Like I, <laughs> I, I totally... I'm like really going... I just found the first link. It says... Uh, if you spend it on a purchase, it's $59,974.85. Uh, um, but if you receive it as compensation, it's 941000 which does not make any kind of sense to me. Okay, well, let's just ignore that part because the first thing you said actually makes sense. Maybe Wikipedia was saying at that time, yep. the money they spent was $3,000, but today 
the West Virginia Encyclopedia saying it would be equivalent to $50,000. Yep. Okay, cool. Let's move on from that. We're going to not overthink it. Uh, the wooden prison was built temporarily while the design was chosen. They get inspired by the one that built was built in Joliet. Um, now, this, this is a quote from Wikipedia describing the prison. It's a little bit bleak. It says, It's Gothic revival architecture exhibited as much as possible great strength and conveyed to the mind a cheerless blank indicative of the misery which awaits the unhappy being who enters within its walls. Wow. Yeah. So, imagine, like, yikes. imagine being a girl and a guy says that to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Very romantic. So the first building that gets constructed, like the first permanent building, was called the North Wagon Gate. This was made of sandstone that came from a local quarry, and it was built with prison labor. It got completed in 1876 and cost $363,061. Is that that day's money or today's money? Probably today's money. Okay. If they're only spending 3000 on the land. <laughs> 3000 on the land, and we spent the equivalent of like $4 billion <laughs> yeah, on, on one, one building. building. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, then north and south cell block areas were built. The north hall had a dining area, a hospital, and a chapel. The South Hall had 224 cells. Later on, um, they add on to the prison, and the official capacity reaches 650 inmates. Like, that's how much it's designed to hold. I'm sure you can guess yeah, it's going to sure hold more. more than that. Yeah. yeah. And then also, in between those two halls, a four-story tower was built to connect, like, the two cell block halls, and this became the administration building. So the admin building actually had space for female inmates, and it held the personal living quarters for the warden and his family. They lived at the prison, which mm. I would not want to do, but I yeah, guess times were different. I don't think that ever happens at all nowadays, because who wants their family to live in a prison? Yeah. But I don't know. Times, times have changed. So I thought it was interesting that they had um, space for female inmates, and there actually were women there up until 1947 when a women's facility was built in Pence Springs, and then they moved the women out. Oh, yeah, the women, there still is a women's prison in uh, Alderson. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's a federal one? Uh-huh. Federal prison? Yeah. Yep. Okay, and, so, oh, is, go ahead. Is there still a state women's place in uh, Penn Springs? Because it'd be close by is why yeah, let's look. I brought that up. But Penn Springs yeah. women's prison. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's closed. Cool. Maybe Sorry they just if I'm wrong. switched it out for the... My two-second glance at Google looks like it is not a thing anymore. Yeah, that's the kind of research you can get at Country Roads <laughs> Creeps. Two-second glances at Google. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so phase one of building is completed. The prison opens, and there are 251 inmates. And a lot of them were the ones that actually like, did the work to build the prison. So they like move in. <laughs> um, the next phase of building added jobs for the inmates to do. So in the early 1900s, like, business was booming at the prison. There was a carpentry shop, a paint shop, a wagon shop, a stone yard, a brick yard, a blacksmith, a tailor, a bakery, a hospital, and a prison farm. Ooh. So, like, lots of options for the inmates to have jobs, and they got paid for those. I'm sure not well, but, yeah. you know. 
Um, but revenue from the farm and the inmate labor allowed the prison to pretty much be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And that improved in 1921 when a prison coal mine was opened a mile away. So that helped provide energy for the prison and saved the state $14,000 a year. Ooh, probably good. in their money at that time. <laughs> don't know what that yeah. would be now. Huh. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, so some prisoners actually got to stay at the mining camp. I guess probably the lower level offenders and they were watched by a mine foreman who was not a prison employee, but like a different guy. So it was kind of like at the federal prisons. Now, some of them will have satellite camps, which are for like the lower offenders. And so it's separate from being inside the actual prison. Uh So sort of like that. Um, Prisoners were educated and that was actually a priority at the beginning of this. If prisoners came in and didn't know how to read, they had to enroll in night classes. And they would learn how to read there. No kidding. Yeah. It would force it on them. Pretty much. The, the prison had a school and it had a library. There was also a band and a baseball team. And the public could come watch the inmates play baseball and like buy concessions and stuff. And like yeah. a regular baseball game. Prison hot dogs and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were also church services because there was a chapel in one of the halls. So at the start... I mean, as far as prisons go, conditions were good, if you want to say that. Yeah, I mean, I still if. wouldn't want to be there, right? but it wasn't horrible. Now, uh, this quote is according to a warden's report, so uh, of course it could be biased, but the warden's report at the beginning said, both the quantity and the quality of all the purchases of material, food, and clothing have been very gradually but steadily improved, while the discipline has become more nearly perfect and the exaction of labor less stringent. Yeah. So, I mean, the inmates might have disagreed, but things weren't awful when it started out. But then, I put uh, in my notes, my next heading is, things go bad, because of course they do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right? Of course. Of course they go they always bad. always do. That's, it wouldn't be... Like now haunted if they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, right. Which we don't know it's haunted yet, so (laughs) stay tuned. Something has to go terribly wrong. So, obviously, conditions deteriorate over the years. You want to take a wild guess why conditions deteriorate? Um, uh, Okay, I'm going (laughs) to forgo my first thought, my first (laughs) joke to make, and say probably a new warden came in and ruined everything. Uh, it gets overcrowded. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, eventually, it actually gets listed on the United States Department of Justice's top 10 most violent correctional facilities list. Good. Yeah, top 10. Horrible, horrible. Um, in 1929, the state decided they needed to double the size of the penitentiary because, oh, the cells were only five by seven feet. Yeah. That's so small. People were shorter back then. I mean, I'm so. short. I'm 5'2", so the width of the cell was smaller than me. Yeah. That, that's horrible. You deserve it. So, <laughs> so you have these five by seven foot cells that were sometimes holding three prisoners, which of course is way too small to be doing that. Two would sleep in the bunks and one would sleep in a mattress on the floor. So like just no room at all. Right. Yeah, that sucks. So they had to expand. Um, this expansion is completed with prison labor. It's finished not until 1959. Because it got delayed by a steel shortage during World War II. I guess. Oh, a steel shortage. Wonder, wonder why. Because <laughs> wonder why there would be a metal shortage in World War II. That's crazy. Yeah. So um, I'm going to get into some of the details of 
why things were really bad. But overall, by the end of it, 36 homicides took place at the prison. That seems low, right? Um, well, there were also a lot of, like, suicides as well. So the okay. death toll and the executions became, like, much, much higher. Yeah. But I guess but, 36 homicides within the prison walls. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot of people to be killed. Well, at one time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But over the course of, like, 250 years. I'm... Yeah, but then you have, like, prisons where their number is zero. So no, 36 is a bit high. No prison has zero. All right. Uh, one of the homicides um, I want to mention because it comes into play later is on October 8th, 1929, an inmate named R.D. Wall was killed on his way to the boiler room by three prisoners that had shanks because evidently he like snitched on them, told on them for doing something. Good. Um, and this is horrible. But by the end of the attack, he was literally cut into pieces. Yeah. Like they just. What happens when you snitch? Them. Awful. Okay. And um, there's also. There's a piece to this that I am not going into great detail on because okay. it's r really upsetting, disturbing, gross. Okay. Um, the recreation room at the prison, you've probably heard this. It was referred to as the sugar shack by like oh, yeah. the officers and the inmates. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, this yeah. is where most of the horrible, awful, terrible yeah. activities took place. Is this, so, should we put in like a, like a warning? Like what do they call that? Trigger, trigger yeah. warning. I mean, like, um, I'm not, I'm not going to go super into it. Don't look it up if you get bothered by that kind of stuff. I do get bothered by it. That's why I'm giving a brief overview because I get upset by those things. Um, don't look it up if you are sensitive like me. But I'll just, as an overview, say illegal stuff took place there, like gambling, um, fighting, but also really horrible things like assault with guards and inmates. Uh, the homicides, just terrible, terrible stuff yeah. for it to, you know, have this nickname. So that's all I'm going to say about that. They, everybody cheated on their taxes in there too. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Anything bad that you can think of probably happened in this rec room. Awful. Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to move into some of, you know, like the more specific problems that happened. That was kind of an overview of the things going downhill. So there's two riots that I'm going to mention. There are more, more than two that happened, but two were more infamous. Um, while I was trying to read about these, it seems like the details with these two riots get mixed up a lot. So reading different sources, some of them will say this thing happened in the first riot. Some of them will say this thing happened in the second riot. They kind of all are over the place. So I did my best to separate it the best I could to try to figure out what happened in the first one, what happened in the second one. Okay. But it's a little fuzzy. So from the best I could tell, the, f the first major riot happened in March 1973. Um, I believe that 40 inmates held five officers hostage. And I think that this one involved a fire in the prison set by an inmate. So there was arson involved. Lots of property was destroyed. The riot lasted for 24 hours, and the governor had to meet with inmates to kind of negotiate an end to this. They made 15 demands. Some of them were, you know, a little silly, but a lot of them were actually pretty reasonable demands. Okay. Like, to have sheets be clean. Like, that's not a ridiculous ask. Yeah. You know, to have clean sheets to sleep on. Uh, one of them was they the, the inmates wanted 10 solitary confinement cells to be removed from the basement. They didn't want those to be in use anymore. 
And another demand they made was that rules and regulations for prisoners and officers need to be written and enforced equally. So like a lot of them were reasonable demands because, you know, like things had kind of been going downhill. It was not super clean. People weren't really being treated ethically. So, you know. What was the ridiculous one? Um, Well, I I just said like some were a little silly because I was reading on the West Virginia archives. A few of the demands they made were things that were already in place. Okay. Like, and already happening. Okay. Um, Like like, they wanted, one of them was that guards or officers shouldn't be allowed to carry guns in a certain location of the prison, but that was already a thing. Like, yeah, but what is it? being followed maybe not yeah maybe not so but like most of them were not that really ridiculous so the governor agreed to 15 of their demands um and the riot ended in 24 hours now the next one happened the next famous one or infamous one however you want to look at it was january 1st 1986 uh the penitentiary was going through many changes many problems and security had become very thin in most areas of the prison At this point, most of the locks on the cells had been picked by the inmates. The prisoners were just kind of roaming around freely throughout the day. Like, it was chaos. It was not secure. Bad plumbing and insects that had infested it were spreading diseases. People were getting really sick. The prison was holding over 2,000 men. So, very overcrowded. Yeah, and you said at the beginning it was only 650. It got to like 650, yeah, yeah, after they had done the expansion or whatever. So during this night that the riot happened, it was January 1st. It was a holiday. Many of the officers had called in. So it was understaffed and, and things were bad to begin with. So then you have it understaffed. And this is when they decided to do it. So around 5.30 p.m., 20 inmates in a group called the Avengers. How stupid is that? Yeah. So dumb. Yeah, the Avengers. The worst Marvel series ever. Oh, dumb. They call themselves the Avengers. Uh, They went to the mess hall where the captain at the time and others were working. So the captain, five other officers, and a food service worker were tackled. The inmates put knives to their throats and handcuffed them with the officer's handcuffs. So bad, bad situation. Several hostages are taken. Um, The hostages all survived, but there were three inmates that were killed over the next two days for other reasons, like getting in arguments with the other inmates and stuff. So it was like, I don't know what they did, but three inmates did get killed. Um, The inmates who led the riot, the Avengers, believe it or not, weren't prepared to take charge or really know what to do next. So it's kind of like, oh, we didn't think we'd get this far. And now we have a bunch of hostages. (laughs) And we don't really know what we want or what we expected to come out of it. Yeah. We we have one demand, a plan. Yeah. So, shocker. They didn't know what to do next. Yeah. So, they made a guy named Danny Lehman their president to negotiate with the authorities, even though he was not part of the original group of 20 that led the riot. Oh, okay. They just picked him to be their spokesperson. Um, Later on, he... Even though, like, he was the leader of this, or the spokesperson of it, he got killed in prison later on, like, many years after the riot. So, I guess he made somebody mad. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really figure out how this one ended. It wasn't as easy as the first one, because this one took two days instead of 24 hours. I don't think the governor was as willing to negotiate this time around. Uh, It made national news coverage. So, that was, you know, another... Thing that was kind of the beginning of the end. 
like bad stuff was just happening. It yeah. was out of control. They did not have a handle on things in this prison. Okay, so those were the two riots. I'm going to kind of back up a little bit to the middle of these events and go back to 1979 to talk about a prison break. Okay. That happened. That's a show, a really good one <laughs> also. Yeah, and get a drink. Hold on. Has, um, has the same guys who played the freezing villains on this superhero show. I don't remember what it is, so this is a bad reference, but it's got two really good uh, actors as some of the main characters. And the guy, if you don't know the show, the guy, his brother, he thinks is wrongly accused of murdering this guy, which he is. And you find out like uh, over the course of the whole series about, well, no, it's like kind of baked into the whole (laughs) plot, but like you kind of find out like how all of this stuff, he was wrongfully, you know, put it anyway. So he's in prison. And so the brother, he is like an engineer or whatever. And he gets a full body tattoo uh, of. Oh, I actually know what you're talking about. And it's like this whole big artistic thing, but it's like what the specs for the prison things are to like plan his breakout. And so then he commits a crime and gets sent to the same prison. Yeah, that is good. I'd forgotten about that. Then they (laughs) break out and it's awesome. Yeah. And he uses like the. Things on his tattoos and stuff. Very cool. Oh, very, I, re- I want to watch that again now. You very just like spark good it. show. Very, yeah. very good. And then it's even, it even stays good. Like whenever they get out, like for, for a while. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Anyway, cool. go watch Prison Break on Hulu and Netflix. And this episode sponsored by Prison Break, the yeah. show. <laughs> I wish. Can you imagine? Yeah. Did you AMC, ever watch uh, Money Heist on Netflix? No. It's very, very good. Is it? I think you would like it. Yeah. Yeah, same energy as Prison Break. Okay, <gasps> 1979 Prison Break. <laughs> All right, uh, this this story makes me really sad. So okay. this happens on Wednesday, November 7th, 1979. Fifteen prisoners managed to escape. One of them was Ronald Turney Williams. He was in prison for murdering Sergeant David Lilly from the Beckley Police Department on May 12th, 1975. No kidding. Yep. Yeah. Um. Williams, so for this escape, Williams stole a prison officer's weapon. During his escape, he was spotted by a 23-year-old off-duty state trooper named Philip S. Kessner. Kessner happened to be driving past the prison with his wife and saw the escapees. Um, So I guess, I don't know how they got to his car or like maybe he was trying to get close to them to intervene or something, but they pulled him out of his car and Williams shot the, the off-duty trooper, oh, Kessner. No. Kessner was able to fire back, but he didn't survive his injuries. And that just, like, breaks my heart. You know, he's driving yeah. out with his wife, off-duty, mm-hmm. just on a regular day, and got killed in front of her. And that makes me want to cry. That's so sad. Yeah, super sad. Horrible. So, uh, Williams, the one that did it, he was on the run for 18 months. During this time, he sent notes taunting authorities, and he was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Yeah. You, sh- you sh- really shouldn't do that. No, like, you shouldn't. How many people have been caught because I sent notes? Right. The, like, they think they're so smart. At least two that I can think of off the top of my head. That guy and freaking uh, BTK yeah. got caught because he started sending letters again. So, yeah. don't send letters about your crimes to the police kids. So, while he was on the run, horrible dude, terrible guy, he murdered a man named John Buncheck in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is also very, very sad um, during a robbery. He also was connected to committing other crimes in Colorado, Pennsylvania. 
He finally gets caught in New York City when he's at this uh, hotel called the George Washington Hotel in 1981, and he gets in a shootout with federal agents, and they're able to catch him during this time. He was returned to West Virginia to complete several life sentences. So, like, he's not getting out. Yeah. Um, Arizona actually sought extradition for his execution because he murdered that man in Arizona. But as of... As of November 25th, 2023, he's still in West Virginia custody in Mount Olive. As of? As of November 25th this year. Really? Yeah. Like, as of a couple days ago. Yeah. Still there. He's in Mount Olive. Yeah. Huh. His earliest possible parole hearing wouldn't be until 2047, and then he would be facing death penalty in Arizona. So I mean, like he's not getting out. Oh no, kidding! So he, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a subsequent, uh, um, how they how they were to you uh, it's serve not, your sentence subsequently yeah. and so consecutively. Yeah. So yeah. it's not the death yeah. penalty would not be consecutive. It'd be yeah. after because he would get extradited to Arizona, but he would be like ninety something before he even has a parole hearing. Yeah. Imagine being ninety and they're like, "Hey, that crime that you committed, we're going to kill you for it." Yeah. So. Yeah. You already spent 50 years in jail. So, and now, now we're going to kill you in a different state. Yeah. So, um, during the time of this original prison break, Sheriff Robert Leitner from Marshall County was pretty outwardly critical of police communication during the incident. He said that the sheriff's department and the local police were not made aware of what was happening until they heard of it over the police scanner. So, they weren't contacted by state police when this first, uh, when they first broke out. Yeah. They didn't know until almost 20 minutes later what was even going on. So he said that more could have been done if communication was better. Maybe they could have intervened and stopped all of this from happening. But hindsight's everything. Who knows what would have happened. Right. But communication probably should have been a little better. You live and you learn. Okay, so those are not the only riots. It's not the only escape. Those are just kind of the bigger ones. So that's what I chose to go over. Um. Do you want to say anything about that before I move on to the executions that happened at the prison? Yeah, it just made me think about, like, some of the stuff, uh, like, some of the the things that happen that, like, totally change how law enforcement kind of does their job. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, That, like, whenever, like, seems like, you know, a lot of things just happen to, and it probably happens in, like, every profession, but, like, stuff just goes and goes and goes. Mm -hmm. The way it's always done it until something really bad happens. Yeah. It just so happens well, a that tragedy. Like, in law enforcement uh, context, it usually means that like a bunch of people get shot or yeah. something. And so like that was the thing for the Miami Dade shootout, which I actually like, the, like it's not, we're not a true crime podcast. I really want to do those, the two big shootouts of the Miami Dade and the North Hollywood shootout. Cause they're so interesting for, from like a, both a crime perspective and also like a this was so bad it changed the way everybody had to do their jobs yeah. from now on yeah. so and the miami date is like so insane so is the north hollywood thing and then um there was actually one i found out about recently in alaska that like changed up how everyone in alaska and all the like fbi and stuff yeah completely had to do their jobs so it was and then the like the miami date thing it not only did it make everybody like rethink how they're going to do their job, but it they made them rewrite the FBI training book. So yeah, like they they had to throw out like everything 
mm-hmm. and they're like, we're going to get new guns and we're going to retrain everyone on how to yeah. do everything ever. Yeah. There's some kind of saying about how, what is it? It's like labor laws or OSHA laws are written in blood, something like that. Yeah. Like you, usually there's some kind of tragedy that ends up changing things for the future. Yep. It's sad stuff. Another example kind of along those same lines is like I work in a, in a school and you remember when we were younger, our drills for active shooters were turn the lights off, huddle in the corner of the room and be quiet. Yep. That is not at all how we practice now. Like the protocol has totally changed because unfortunately there has been so many school shootings and they found that that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, it makes you really at more risk. So I'm not going into the details, but we have totally different drills now, yeah. practices, procedures than what you and I went through going through school, which is not that long ago. I mean, like 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, so, I actually don't super even remember doing active shooter drills growing up until we got to um, high school. Yeah. And I, I don't then, think it was until high school and it was like... Even then they didn't call them uh, active shooter drills. No, they called it like they lockdown. Lockdown. Yeah. Because they didn't want people to like freak out about it. Yeah. But we would always, because we're stupid kids, we would always joke about it being like a shooter drill, mm-hmm. which is probably not a good joke to make. But Yeah, it's it's really difficult to teach those drills to elementary school without scaring them. Yeah. You have to be very sensitive about it, but it's also something, unfortunately, that is a reality now that you have to be prepared for because you just never know. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's that's the hardest part. It's It's really upsetting to try to without scaring a child, let yeah. them know what we're doing, why we're doing this. But, you know but what? yeah, we have totally different drills now. I was talking to my boss about this, that like some of the drills that they do in school now. And mm-hmm. he said that, well, he actually grew up where um, him and, and I guess to a certain extent, like his dad, they were, they were in school during a time where like, uh, you were still going to do the um, the nuclear bomb. Oh, drills. really? Yeah, and so the, if you don't know, the, during like the Cold War, like the entire Cold War up until through the 80s, a lot of schools were doing, uh, oh, good job. <laughs> I hit um, my mic, sorry. <laughs> they were doing nuclear um, nuclear catastrophe drills. Is that where they had to get, get under their and desks? So, yeah, get under your desk. Not that that's going to help there's a nuke. you, but... Yeah, and so his thing... My boss was like, yeah, so I realized pretty soon that this desk isn't going to save right. you from a nuke. Right. And the, the idea was like, well, you get under your desk, and then it keeps like stuff from the ceiling falling on yeah. you. But the, I guess the problem with a nuke is that if it's close enough that it's mm-hmm. going to tear the roof off of your school, it's close enough that the blast is going to kill you anyway, and then yeah. the radiation is going to get you after that. So Honestly, like this is morbid, but I've told you before— if there's ever a nuke coming, I'm going to step outside and I want it to hit me in the forehead so I can just go to heaven and be done with it. I'm, I do not want to yeah. fight for survival in a nuclear wasteland. Just, I'll just go ahead and go into heaven and I'll meet y'all later on. Yeah. I'm not trying to um, survive in the apocalypse. Did you know in Japan, the two places that they dropped nukes, there wasn't, um, there wasn't, there's not like a radiation fallout hold thing because of the way the bomb was. I'm, I don't it know was, what that means. I'm sorry. Radiation. There is. I wish I had watched this video sooner to <laughs> take this podcast because um, That's okay. it basically went into the thing of like the the way the math works out for nuclear bombs is depending on where in the atmosphere you detonate a bomb, mm-hmm. whether it's like a high altitude 
or a low altitude or near surface or on the surface burst. And then depending on how big it is and what kind of uh, material they're using, they, so the ones that they dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki weren't like your traditional nuclear bombs that like you would think uh-huh. of in the Cold War. They were atomic bombs. Right. Which means that they smashed an atom together and, or split an atom and made all this stuff like smashed together. Well, that doesn't make radiation. It, oh. The nuclear material, when you make a uranium bomb, that makes radiation. Okay. Because it all goes through the air and it mm-hmm. causes this nuclear reaction. But it's uh, for an atomic bomb where they split an atom, it's, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't make that, apparently. Okay. And so that's yeah, why they could that. rebuild the city after that. Yeah, it's, it's not like Chernobyl. Yeah. You can't get near. Which Chernobyl, they're starting to go find areas that you can go into again. So, oh. yep. Interesting. We should talk about that one day. Yeah, and then you can go oh, wow. find the Mekong catfish. Yeah. Shout out to, <laughs> shout out to episode, uh, the first mini-sode. Fall back. <laughs> and then, right after we did that mini-episode, it was a question on Jeopardy, and I got it right because of Shane. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track here. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the executions that happened because this is a little bit wild. Um, from 1899 to 1959, 94 men were executed. Hanging was used up until 1949 for 85 of those men. Okay. Um, and hangings were actually just open to the public until June 19th, 1931. Yeah. Uh, something terrible happened that changed that. Did the guy's head come uh, off? Yes. Every place has a thing like yes. that. The rope How did is, you know that? Because every place has that. Every place there's ever been public hangings. Look at you call I believe me you. out on it. No, I believe every you. It's town horrifying. Because there's math involved. Yeah, and, at and some they point, messed it up. The new executioner has his hood over his eyes too much. Yeah. And he messes up the math and the rope's too long, so you fall too far and then your head comes off. Yeah. And everybody gets freaked out. Because they're like, we thought this was going to be a good classical, a good family hanging. Yeah. And it was gruesome. Uh, a good family hanging. That's Don't what they... Don't ever say that again. <laughs> okay, stop. You're done talking for now. You lost your privilege. All right, so the what happened that made them not be public anymore was this man named Frank. I saw his last name written two different ways. Some places it was written as Ayer, A-Y-E-R. Other places it was written as like Hire, H-Y-E-R. Could have been a thing where the dialect got the spelling messed up. Yep. Frank Ayer, Frank Heyer. I mean, I don't know. He uh, was sentenced to execution for murdering his wife. And so when they go to hang him, they had like this trap door that would open up under the people and let them fall. Hmm. And when that happened, he fell and he was decapitated. Yep. Horrible. So after this, attendance at the hangings was by invitation only. You had to be invited to attend. Dog. Yeah. Imagine being invited to hang, getting an invitation yeah. in the mail, like a I wedding mean, invitation. Oh my gosh. But I like, imagine hey, it was on. only like the family or maybe the people that were involved in the crime. I don't know, but yeah, they they got you an invitation, I guess. You're officially invited to my hanging. Do you think you had RSVP? To, to the my hanging or any hanging? Do you think the people that got the invitation had to mark like, yes, I'm coming or no, I'm not? Yeah. Also, I'll have the chicken, not the fish. Thanks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, moving on. Stop. At the Stop. 
Are there going to be finger sandwiches? You're disgusting. I'm I'm moving on before you ruin the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Bud Peterson was the last inmate to be hanged. He was buried at the prison cemetery because his family refused to claim his body. (laughs) Pull it together because I'm going to tell you something crazy. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm choking. Go get a drink if you need one. Laughing at my own jokes too hard. Not good. It's not a good joke. Okay. The prison switched from hanging to electrocution in 1951, Mm -hmm. which, awful. Ugh, hate it. The electric chair was called Old Sparky, and it was built by an inmate at the prison named Paul Glenn. He put it together, which is crazy. Uh, I don't know if he had a choice or if they were like, hey, build this chair or what. So nine men were executed with the electric chair before the state got rid of the death penalty in 1965. The last one was Elmer Bruner on April 3rd, 1959. So here's what's insane. The original chair is still in the facility, and you can see it during tours. Yeah, well, what are they going to do? Just get rid of it? Just yeah. toss it out? Yes. No. Bad, bad vibes. Get rid of it. Have you... I'm going to keep this interjunction short. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie The Green Mile? I... Yes, it's so sad. Very good movie. Very good movie. It's so sad. And then the locusts come out of the guy's mouth. It's very good. Tom Hanks is in it. Go watch The Green Mile if you haven't. Don't. It's so sad. It's so good. It'll break your heart. It's about an electric chair. Yep. Yeah, awful. When do we get to the part where... um, Where... uh, (laughs) Never mind. I can't even remember the guy's name. Okay, don't um, spoil anything. I might have it coming up. No, I was just going to make a joke about Shawshank Redemption. Morgan oh. Freeman. Morgan <laughs> Freeman. Morgan Freeman. You almost forgot Morgan Freeman's name. When do we get to the part where Morgan Freeman <laughs> breaks out of the prison with we a don't, spoon? Okay. We don't get there. Okay, uh, so we're we're moving towards the end of the prison now. It was reported that 998 men died at the prison. And like I said earlier, 36 of those were homicides within the prison. The other deaths were executions, suicides, or just like natural causes or being yeah. sick because it was it got filthy in there. Insects and riots. Uh, just different things like that. There were several more instances of riots and escapes. There was the peak population of over 2,000 inmates in the 1960s, and it was not billed to hold that many. So... Um, Eventually, you know, towards the later end of the 1900s, more prisons were built, more space opened up at other places, people got to be transferred, and so the population declined to 600 or 700 inmates by 1995. This is when it closed, was in 1995, because there was a ruling by the West Virginia Supreme Court that the five-by-seven-foot cells were considered cruel and unusual punishment. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that that ruling happened in 1986, but the prison didn't close until nine years later in 1995. So I'm wondering if that's just how long it took to get everybody transferred somewhere else or what the holdup was with that. Maybe they just had to wait until they could find places to put everybody and then close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So most inmates were sent to Mount Olive Correctional Complex in Fayette County, West Virginia, which is where that guy went that we were talking about earlier. Is that in Fayette County? think so i thought it was in clay for some reason okay let's we'll check real quick i'm probably wrong (laughs) i just felt like well i don't i want to check in case i'm wrong because i do mess things up Uh, because my old job i used to go around to uh like schools all the time yeah um and so 
I always felt like I passed Mount Olive coming from. Uh, no, it's Fayette County. County. Yeah. Okay. Fayette. Okay, so that's where a lot of people were sent. Let me find my place again. Just associate it with that direction. Yeah. Okay, so that happened, and also there was a smaller facility built a mile away in Moundsville to serve as the regional jail, so they took some people. Okay. And then after it closed as a prison, the penitentiary was used for training for law enforcement for a while, and it's now a tourist attraction, which I'm going to go into more detail in a little bit. I've been there on tours. I uh, I kind of want to go. Like, I don't yeah. want to do one of the night ones, but I'd like to go during the day just to see the history of the place. No. I feel differently about this one than I do the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Something about that one makes me never want to go there. Yeah. This one, I'm a little more open to going and learning about the history. Yeah. No, I have a good story about going to the Moundsville. Okay. I'll save it for... Save when, when I get down to the tours yeah. and stuff. Um, I made a note. There was one notable inmate I wanted to tell you that was there. You might have heard of him before. His name's Eugene V. Debs. That's not who I thought it was <laughs> going to be. I, you really set me up for excitement there. <laughs> he was a labor activist. He was very involved in politics. He ran for president a couple times. Okay. Um, I didn't look super into that because I just politics is not my passion. Yep. Uh, but he was a prisoner from April 13th to June 14th, 1919 before being transferred to Atlanta, and he was charged with violating the Espionage Act of 1917. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be charged with Espionage Act. No. That's something that you guys can look into more if you're interested. Eugene V. Debs and the Espionage Act of 1917. Who else was a famous prisoner at Moundsville? Hannah? Uh, um, the, the dude from the Greenbrier Ghost episode I did. Yeah, what was well, his yes. name? I forgot um, his name. Trout. Shoe. Shoe. Yeah, Trout. 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 Shoe. Yeah. yeah. I think he went there. Yeah. That's what she said. Did, did you not write it down on your notes? What were you thinking of? Charles Manson. False. False. He was there, right? False. My next note, not? Shane. My Is literal, it a myth? My literal next note that I was about to read under extra info heading is in 1983, Charles Manson requested to be moved to Moundsville to be closer oh, to his yeah. family, but he was denied. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought he was there. <laughs> I, I wish told you was. I did good research on this one. I love Charles Manson. <laughs> not in like a love way. Don't in say like that. A, oh my gosh. I love the story of. Charles, it's the the whole character thing is so good. I like it. I mean, I don't. Never mind. This is <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna bring this episode up whenever I run for president. Like you already don't stand a chance. Uh, You've facts. said too many things. Okay. Um. So the West Virginia Penitentiary, Moundsville Penitentiary, whatever you want to call it, has been featured quite a bit in just some several different forms of media. Some of them I didn't know about that are pretty cool. So it was used in prison scenes from a 2013 movie called Out of the Furnace, which I haven't heard of. I haven't seen that one. But some of these other ones that I have, it was the site for season one, episode one of an MTV show called Fear. Uh, Castle Rock, which is a Hulu show based on Stephen King stories, was filmed there. Oh, okay. So that's kind of a recent yeah. one. That's pretty new. It was used in season one, episode four of Mindhunter on Netflix. Dirk loved that show and it got canceled. He was so sad. Oh, okay. What was that about? Oh, no, um, that's different the- Different serial killers. Yeah, yeah. That one guy played Ed Kempner. Is that his name? Ed Kemper. That's the serial killer? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the actor's name, but he did such a good job in that role. Okay. It was really cool, but it got canceled. 
It was also on Most Terrifying Places in America on the Travel Channel, and it was in Season 1, Episode 3 of Ghost Adventures. All right, so now I'm going to talk about the spooky stuff and why this is being featured on Country Roads Creeps. Because everything we talk about has to have a creepy element. Creep. Here it is. So, of course, you can go there on tours. Again, I'm going to talk about that more in a little bit. But the people that go here and go on these tours and the employees that work there and just people that have been in the prison since it closed will often talk about seeing or hearing this man named William Red Snyder. He was a bad dude. He got murdered in his cell. And there are reports of hearing like his raspy voice calling out from the cell that he was killed in. Yeah. Yeah. What? You look like you're about to. I just, I wanted to do the a raspy voice. Well, I'll try it. No. Try I, it. No, it'll be embarrassing on the podcast. Everybody's going to be like a stupid voice. Will it be as embarrassing as the time you mixed up NSYNC and Backstreet Boys? It will be equally as embarrassing as the time that I espoused uh, Charles Manson on the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it will save you from that then. We can't do that Five twice. minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are also reports of seeing R.D. Wall. He's the guy I mentioned earlier that got mm-hmm. caught up, cut up at the boiler yeah. room. Um, now, this is terrifying. Ready for this? No. Hang on. Me either. Give me I, one when second. I wrote this down, I got really scared and had to stop and take a break and like go listen to music. Okay. I got freaked out thinking about it. There's a figure. Ugh, I got chills. Ah. Okay. There's a figure that they've nicknamed Shadow Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's been spotted and photographed by staff, visitors, and professional paranormal investigators. Yeah. They describe him as being tall and dark, like just a shadow of a man. Yeah. Not handsome at all. <laughs> no, not tall, dark, and handsome, just tall and dark. Often seen yeah. in the hallway, um, he's believed to be the spirit of an inmate who died in his cell. And he'll just like Ooh. linger at the end of the hall. That makes me feel sick to my stomach. Yeah. That's horrifying. Um, there are sightings of a headless translucent figure, which people might believe or people believe might be Frank Eyre that got hung and decapitated. Oh, okay. Because the ghost doesn't have yeah. a head. There are also sightings of a maintenance man that worked at the prison. He was killed in the bathroom by inmates for watching them and reporting on behavior of things that they were doing that they weren't allowed to do. Yeah, he wasn't an, he wasn't an in, inmate. He just worked at the prison as yeah. maintenance. They killed him in the bathroom, and now people report seeing him down in the basement. Okay. And they think he's still, like, looking for things to report on or things to fix. Yep. Carries a wrench. Yeah. So those are some of the the specific, like, people sightings. But also you have the more common things at places like this. Kind of reminded me of Lake Shawnee. Lights will be flickering. Um, people kind of report seeing sparks near where the electric chair was in use. Nosferatu. <laughs> There's disembodied arguing. Hushed talking and whispering, cold spots, of course. Yeah. Uh, people report hearing cell doors banging closed. There's random yelling. People see orbs. And some people report actually feeling like they're being touched by like hands brushing past them, Ugh. things like that. So that's really scary. Now, there is an idea that the prison was built on a Native American burial ground. Yep. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's definitely plausible because it's in Moundsville, which was given its name because of all the Indian burial mounds there. I don't know if if there's a listener not familiar with Moundsville. There's some really interesting history there. And 
directly across from where the prison is built is the Grave Creek Mound, yep. which is like the biggest one. So yeah. it's not it's not out of the realm of belief that the prison could have been built over a burial site. There's just not proof of it. Yeah. So if it is, I mean, bad. <laughs> bad. Like Lake Shawnee. Right. But I, I can't say 100% if that's true or not. But some people, you know, believe that that also contributes to why you have these spirits and things in the prison. Yeah, it could. I, I mean, yeah, it's, I guess it's plausible. It's possible that the entire city was yeah. like kind of built on this stuff. Yeah. The, I mean, even if you go there, which you said you haven't been there yet, have you? No, I haven't. Yeah. the When you go there right at the front of the building, and then you like, if you're looking at the front, you can turn around and there's like mounds. The Grave Creek mound. You're like, Oh, it's super close. There's right, a way closer yeah, than you think. Really close. So I like I like to imagine that when the prison was built, they didn't bulldoze a mound to do it, but yeah. you never know how the government is. You think you think haunting is like uh this is gonna make me seem super nerdy and I'm mm-hmm. definitely not a nerd. Right. But uh do you think like do you think haunting is like an area of effect? Uh kind of Kind of damage, like, like if, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what did you just say to me? You, if you get a spell cast on you <laughs> and it lands near you, then if it's area of effect damage, then you would get splash damage off of the spell. So if haunting is like that, the Moundsville Penitentiary is definitely close enough. Oh that it would yeah, get, okay. It would get haunted just from being adjacent. No, that makes sense. So I'd say probably. It was a very like. Dungeons and Dragons way of describing <laughs> yeah. that entire concept, but no, that was a good explanation because that actually does make sense to me. Okay, now I want to talk about some of the tours that you can go do here now that it's a yep. tourist attraction. Because I mean, like you know, several of them are the normal types of tours you would expect, but there's a couple of events they offer that made me go, "Hmm, that's interesting." So I'm gonna like break down these tours <laughs> and what they involve. <laughs> you can be hung. <laughs> a public hanging in Mountsville. You're not that far off. Am I not? <laughs> okay. So, first things first, if you want to go and do these, all tours need to be booked in advance. You can't just show up and do it. It's not a walk-in type of thing. Yep. Mostly because they're not open all the time. Um, and also, they get lots of, like, field trips and stuff here, big groups that come. So, you can't just walk in and be accommodated. You have to plan it in advance. So... The first one I'm starting with are the guided day tours. This is just like your general tour during the day. That's what I did. Yeah. Starts at $14. It runs from April 1st to December 1st. This is all ages. You get to see the recreation yards, the visitation rooms, the new cafeteria, and the cell blocks that were called the Alamo and the New Wall. Those were the names they were given. Um, This doesn't include all the areas of the penitentiary So you have to book a different tour if you want to go into some of the more restricted places. But this is probably the one that I would want to do just because it's it's during the day. Um, Another like kind of subset of the guided day tours is the History Mystery Monday tours. These are offered only on Mondays in June, July, and August. It's a little faster paced. It requires climbing several staircases, so they don't really recommend bringing, you know, younger children on this one because it's a little more active, but it includes the sugar shack, the boiler room, and the psych ward slash infirmary area. Yeah. So I that one would be kind of interesting too, I think. Yeah. Um, 
they didn't live they didn't list a separate price for that one because it's not offered that much but probably around 1420 I would guess all right then you have the photography tours these start at $100 you have to be 18 years or older for this one but you get four hours and it's not guided so you get to roam on your own and you have access to most of the places at the prison except for the administration building the warden's residence, the guard towers, and the area where they do their haunted house. But everything else, you can kind of roam on your own and take okay. pictures and stuff for four hours. Now, uh, this one is a little weird to me. This is their escape room that they offer. Okay. It just feels like maybe it's in poor taste. I'm sorry to say that. It's called Escape the Pin. It starts at $25 in an escape room game. You have to be 12 years or older. It takes one hour. There's a maximum of eight players. The storyline is like escaping an execution. No so, way. Like that's a little, a little in poor taste. Is yeah, it not? Yeah. Like let's maybe come up with a different storyline here. Yeah. Maybe you're like falsely imprisoned and you're just trying to break out of the prison. You're not trying to escape being hung or electrocuted. I don't know. I just, yeah. that one kind of makes me feel weird. I don't really like that. I'm sorry. Sorry to the people running it. Let's do it. <laughs> no. Um, now, this one is cool, but not something I would do because I'm not trying to get possessed. They have a public ghost hunt. It starts at $75. You have to be 18 or older. It's six hours. It's not available from mid-September through October due to other Halloween events that they do. But beyond that time, you can do it. You get a 90-minute guided tour, and then you can roam on your own for the rest of the six hours and look for ghosts. Like, if you're into that, it's a pretty cool option. I'm not into that. I don't want to encounter a ghost, so I wouldn't do that one. But it's a cool yeah. option if you are. Hannah wants to encounter the Shadow Man. I, oh, no, that made me feel nauseous. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You can also have a private paranormal investigation. Again, you have to be 18 years or older. You get six hours. There's a 90-minute guided tour. Then you can run on your own. You can have a max of 20 people invited in your group, but this one is pricey because you're like getting the area to yourself or to your personal group. Right. So it starts at like $1,000. Okay. So like, I guess if you had a bunch of friends that wanted to go and you didn't want other people to be there, you could split the cost or something. Um, but that's like their priciest package because you're getting it to yourself, I guess. Right. Okay. Um, there's a Twilight tour. This one I would maybe consider... It starts at $40. You only have to be 13 years or older for this one. Um, if you're under 15, you do have to have an adult, I believe. It's three hours. You get a 90-minute guided tour, and then you can roam on your own. They have Thriller Thursday, which is similar, $40. This one's from 9 o'clock to midnight. Yep. And they only play Michael Jackson the entire time. <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, you get three hours, same thing, 90-minute tour, then roam on your own. Now, at Halloween, they do a haunted house event which, you know, like any haunted house, they have scare actors, lights, props, things like that. Um, it's not too expensive. It starts at $20, and it's a 45-minute haunted house. So that's a pretty good deal yeah. if you like that stuff. What you have to be you, 13 or older. What if you went and you got super scared, and they were like, hey, how did you like it? And you're like, yeah, your, your Shadow Man actor was really, really good. And they're like, we don't have a Shadow Man. We don't have one. Then I'd throw up. Yep. <laughs> um now there's this this tour is called the North Walk. It sounds so cool, but I would be too scared to do it. It starts at $20. You have to be 13 years or older. It's 45 minutes and it's a flashlight tour of the oldest part of the penitentiary. I don't I mean that'd be really I cool, but don't really scary. Wanna 
do flashlights. Yeah. Because you turn on your flashlight and there's a ghost right there in your flashlight. Yeah. But on this one, you get access to a lot of the areas that are generally close to the public because you're on a guided tour. So you get to see the administration building, the Alamo cell block hall, and something called the wheel. I couldn't figure out what they were referring to with that one. Um, but that would be cool, but not going to risk it. Now, they also had something this year called Paracon. It was a paranormal convention, and they held that on September 9th. So just like, you know, a big convention. Cool. Yeah, I wonder if they'll do that again. That might be something cool to go to. A lot of paranormal stuff happens in September because the Mothman Festival is also in September. It's usually near the end of the month, though. Cryptid Bash was September, right? Was that September or October? I have to go back and look. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't either. I can't remember what month that was. Um. Now, they also do, like, facility rentals. So they have four different facilities that can be rented out for various events. Like, you can have a wedding reception there, or your business can meet there, and, like, you can rent classrooms with projectors and stuff if you're doing presentations. You can rent this, like, outside gazebo family reunion at the penitentiary. They have, and there's one other (laughs) facility. I don't remember. They have four options, depending on the size of your event and what you want to do. Okay. I would get married at a penitentiary. Yeah. I would, well, maybe I wouldn't get married there, but I would have my reception. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would have cake there. I mean, maybe. Cut the cake next to the, next to the electric chair. (laughs) Now I saved the best for last. This is on their tours page and this made me laugh out loud when I saw it. Okay. Princess tea. What is that? For $25, 12 years or younger, you can go have tea with the princesses. Like Rapunzel and Cinderella and Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. They have that there? Mm-hmm. One, it's like one March something. Where? At? In <laughs> at, the jail? At the penitentiary. Yeah, but I like, don't know specifically what room, but you can go and have tea with the princesses for $25. Execution chamber. <laughs> like, yeah. Isn't that such a random thing to do there? Yeah. Yeah, and then I think they also do like a trick-or-treat event for kids at Halloween, but... The tea with the princess is just, it's so out of character compared to all the rest of this stuff. The dungeon, escape the pin, thriller Thursday, princess tea. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I, so I went on a tour there when I was a kid. Yeah. Is this a story you were going to tell? Yeah. Okay. And I have beef with Moundsville. (laughs) Okay. I'm, don't, not really, but that's how I'm starting it. I don't actually shout out Moundsville. Anyway, so this is years and years and years and years and years ago. I must have been like sixth grade. So this is super long time ago, like 30 years ago. <laughs> 30? Um, 30 yeah. years ago? Whatever. You're 42 now? So it feels like it. <laughs> Whatever. So have you, ever, have you ever listened to my knees when I move around? <laughs> uh, That's fair. Anyway, so <laughs> um, I, we, we went, and it's a long drive because, you know, we're like the southern part of the state. Yeah. This is way up north, way up high. And so uh, we showed up and early in the morning, ready for our tour. And they were like, oh, we're not, we're not doing tours today. And my mom oh. had, had scheduled it online. So um, they're like, we're not, we don't have any tours today. And she was like, no, I have, this is my, this is my thing. This is my reservation thing because we all came to do this tour. 
And then this is where we paid for it. And this is what time it was. And we're like, we're a little bit early. Is that the problem? And she was like, no, we're not doing tours today because we're doing um, riot training with the local police and, like, oh, yeah. police and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure if they still do training there with, I'm sure they do probably. Yeah. But, um, I think sometimes they were doing riot training. So like, we can't let you in the jail at all because they're like throwing tear gas around. <laughs> and, stuff. and uh, that's why you got to book in advance, I guess. Well, we did. Oh. That was the thing. Oh. So she's Sorry, like, here's the part. reservation where we pre to the thing online. And she was like, it shouldn't have let you do that because it's already. That's really frustrating. Yeah. So we drove, I don't know, like four hours to get there. Oh, I would be so upset. Yeah. And then, but they uh, let us come back. And I think they like refunded, like, I don't know, we had a bunch of people coming with us, like, because like every once in a while we would do these big, like kind of family trips, yeah. like some of our extended family and stuff. And uh, I think they like refunded like half the tickets or something, but I'm only sure half. Well, like they're like, we're going to, and then you can come. Oh, so that gave you a rain check and they gave you some money back for the inconvenience. Okay. That makes sense. I was thinking like you were just out of luck. (laughs) I think so. It's been so long ago. Okay. I I mean, I guess that's a good compromise, but it's still frustrating. You had to drive that for Yeah. They made it, they made it good. So there's some family that listens to the podcast. So I'm sure like one of my aunts or something will be like, Hey, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So. It was cool. Well, I would. I think I would like to go on one of the day tours just to learn more of the yeah. history of it. No, the tours are cool because they show you like some of the cells and they tell you some of the history and stuff. Yeah. Um. They actually one of the coolest things was like the I think it's like the elevator or whatever it spins. Oh. To get in and you can they would pull it and it's still after like this many you know hundred years or more it still like spins freely just by pulling it. And so they were like, it was engineered pretty well because yeah. otherwise, like if it was off balance or anything, it wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't really be able to do that after a long time. So Some of the reports I read said that like at the beginning that the facility was actually pretty nice. Like it was well maintained. It had good landscaping. Like they had fish ponds out front. Um, but I mean, that fell apart, obviously. But Right. Like yeah. the the architecture of it is cool. I, that's another reason why I'd like to go. I want to see the building in person because the pictures it looks really neat. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's a bigger in person. Yeah, I think looks more imposing. Like it looms yeah. over you. It's a very when really especially when you're the, up close. Yeah, you can't really tell the scale from the pictures because yep. it's large. So that makes me also want to see the one in Indiana if it was twice the size. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. but th- so, that's all I have on the West Virginia Penitentiary. That's the end of my story today. Good episode. Thank you. Good conversation. So, yep. I I feel like I'm on one today. Like I'm so I just have <laughs> extra energy. Yeah, I have a um, lot more energy today than I did the last time we recorded. I'm, that was my bad. I was I'm so tired. Like connecting like everything to movies today. Yeah. So. <laughs> um I uh did, have you seen any good movies recently? Um, I don't, not really movies, but Dirk and I started watching a couple shows that are really good, and they're not new. They're just new to us. We started watching Fargo, and we also started I, watching. I wanted to watch Fargo. Okay, I'm so on, we're good. only a couple episodes I've into s- that one. I've seen the clips. It's fantastic. Now, I'll tell you what we're really into right now is Reacher, like Jack Reacher. Yeah, and he that beats up those guys. Yeah, so good. 
Yeah. We watched, this was one of the days that we were laying on our blanket palace in the living room floor. We watched six episodes of Reacher in a row because we were just like chilling at home that day. Yep. They're like hour long episodes. It was phenomenal. Yep. So I can't wait I until he's off again so we can watch more. Love, I love, st- like, I l- listen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> stuff like Jack Reacher. Yeah. And like, I love the stuff where the guy is like a trained guy and nobody can touch him and he yeah. beats everybody up. Like it's, John Wick. I love John Wick. Love John and Wick. And I love Hitman. I love the movies Hitman. Yeah. And he pulls his 1911s out of the icebox in the hotel and it's like, yeah. that's a public icebox. Let me tell you what Anybody else you need to watch. could have grabbed those. If you are interested in Reacher, you need to watch Banshee and you need to watch Justified. Not the remake, the original. Yep. Justified. Justified is with Tim Lee, Timothy Oliphant. That is the best TV show I've ever watched in my life. Like, yep. no question, it's number one in my heart. Right. It's so good. Yeah. I, so John Wick, I love John Wick. Me I love too. I love John Wick so much. Oh my God. <laughs> I hey, didn't really like the ending of the last movie, but. I didn't, I never got to see the last one and I'm still, I'm going to have to buy it on Amazon. But Joey said, Joey at work said, it sucked. So. I didn't love it. Um, it, it's the way it's set up, though, is it could be the end. There could be a sequel. Like, it could go either way, though. Yeah. So, hopefully, I don't mind that. I fingers there's crossed, a there's another one. I hope there's 90 John Wick movies. That's what I want. I hope it's like Fast and Furious and they just keep making Oh, them. I love You know what? You know what? Listen, I'm, I'm, first, I'm going to finish my thought on John Wick. <laughs> okay. Because, so, John Wick, I love. And two things about John Wick is that Keanu Reeves actually went to... Um, have you seen the videos of him training with Terran Tactical? Oh, yeah. He's so good. amazing. Terran Tactical so good. And they've got... They train, like, all kinds of competition shooters and, like, yeah. uh, like Steel Challenge style and, like, USPSA and stuff. It's very, very cool. And they really know what they're doing. And if you haven't seen those videos, you should look up, like, Keanu Reeves training at Terran Tactical. No, yeah, he's they, amazing. They have, like, famous people out there all the time. Like, they've had other actors out there to train for certain movies. They've had... Um, like all kinds of UFC fighters they've had, um, like, uh, so they had, uh, like comedians and stuff out there too. Like all really? the, all the UFC fighters that went out and the UFC fighters know like Joe Rogan. So they had him out and then all of Joe Rogan's comedy friends. Mm-hmm. And so they had like Tom Segura and like Bill Burr and like all the like big yeah. comedy names out there too. So it's like cool that like more, um, like I guess like Hollywood types are like going out to train at this like California school of yeah, like super cool. high speed John Wick shooting. It's very, it's yeah. neat. But also, uh, I was with Melinda a couple of uh, weeks ago mm-hmm. and, uh, before I got sick and we were watching this movie and she always gets mad at me cause I'm wiggly and I can't sit still. <laughs> yeah. And so, which doesn't really sound like me. I don't know why she says that, but, um, <laughs> She's like, you just won't sit still. And then she was going to change the channel. And she's like, there's nothing on. And I was like, well, what's what just came on the same channel that we were watching this movie on? Mm-hmm. And she clicked off. She's like, it's John Wick. And I was like, let's watch John Wick. Yeah. And she was like, well, you can watch John Wick. And so I was sitting there watching like the first like 15 minute sequence of it was John Wick 2. Yeah. And then it went to commercial and I turned around and she was staring at me. <laughs> and she was like, you're so still for John Wick. <laughs> And I was like, it's engaging. I like it. <laughs> it holds your attention. Yeah. And like another thing about Keanu Reeves is he's 
genuinely such a nice dude. Yeah, and hot. He's so kind and hot. Like, you cannot find a bad story about him. He's yeah. so kind. Apparently, he gives a lot of money to charity. Yeah, good guy. Uh, he shoots with Terran Tactical. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, and he, like, is really nice and cool to his stunt people. Yeah. Like, good dude. And, uh, yeah, this is very... Very cool. And Big fans of John Wick here on Country Roads Creeps. Yeah, John Wick's so cool. <laughs> I And my, my other red flag is that I love Fast and Furious <laughs> so much. We can all have I, our guilty pleasures. I Everybody gets like a bad movie that they can really like. Every, everyone's like, heart. Fast and Furious is so like, no, it's not. Fast and Furious is so cool. <laughs> it's the coolest <laughs> series of movies ever. It's my favorite. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you. A different thing. Not only do I love Fast and Furious, I have an entire ranked list of which movies are the best in order. I don't want to do and that so right now. <laughs> we're not going to. I'm just letting okay. everyone know that I have it. That's good. And I'm going to tell you what number like one nine is. Of them? First of all, there's 10. Okay. And I'm going to tell you something else is that the first one is so good. And the second one is so good. And the third one, a little less good, so good still. <laughs> And the fourth one's so good. It's they're all good. And then the rock comes in and he's huge and has baby oil all over him. <laughs> and and he beats up Vin Diesel. Oh my gosh. And Vin Diesel beats him up. And then they race cars and shoot guns. It's so good. Okay. We have completely lost the plot. Are we ready to wrap this up? I love Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> oh <love> so much. <laughs> And anyway, speaking of prisons, the <laughs> there's in the Fast and Furious, he's Vin Diesel goes to jail okay. and they break him out. They hit the bus. Okay. And it flips and they break Vin Diesel out of we need to the prison this. bus. It's so cool. It's the coolest. We're not talking about Fast and Furious for 20 minutes. For the okay. next half hour. We're going to be done. This is a Fast and Furious podcast now. <laughs> this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign off and you, we're going to just rant about Fast and Furious for 40 so, minutes. <laughs> Anyway, my last point about prisons <laughs> is I <laughs> I hope someone has made it this far because this is where I'm going to talk. We lost them all. It's like, just me just and you started, at this point. They just started talking about how cool the dumbest movies are. <laughs> um, I <laughs> Keanu Reeves was in that video game Cyberpunk 2077. They did his character model thing on there, and he did like all the acting and stuff yeah. with the motion balls. Anyway, very that, cool. That was your last point about prisons? No, my last point about prisons is my next episode on Country Roads Creeps is we have one episode and then it's Christmas time. Is that true? And I believe so. Yeah. Because because oh. um, we're bi-weekly, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, that's correct. Yep. One, one more episode and then it'll be Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to come back. Um, like... The oh, January 11th, yeah, the 11th of January. Yeah, so cool. We'll have a few weeks off and then we'll come back. So, yeah, um, so it'll be good. And then you'll get a break from us talking about Fast and Furious. And then we're going to come back strong talking about <laughs> Fast and Furious. No, <laughs> and how good the series Band of Brothers is that Tom Hanks produced. And anyway, um, I also think that cowboys are way cooler than they are. Uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is a very good you movie. You talked about that on the last episode. I, Cowboys. So good. I love Cowboys. Um, anyway, my next episode 
is, what do you think, should we do a Christmas episode or should we just do a regular? I think you should do the Sauter family. Yeah, I was thinking about the Sauter family. It is kind of sad to call it a Christmas episode because it's a really sad story, but it happened at Christmas time. That's why we're calling it a Christmas thing. It's like the way people say that Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, but it is. (laughs) Yeah. Bruce Willis, also so good. Yeah. And did you know that he sold his likeness to um, like the AI? Really? So they can make like uh, deep fakes or whatever of him. Hmm. And then he can be in commercials and stuff for yeah. in perpetuity. Oh. So because he's he's has like some kind of like neurological degenerative disease yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that's so sad. Very sad, but he sold his likeness. I kind of, I haven't seen how much he sold it for, but probably expensive, right? Yeah, I would assume. Somebody's entire famous person's likeness. Yeah. But anyway. Um, you don't have to do the Slaughter Family if you don't want to. You had just mentioned that and I think it's a good idea. No, I thought about it. Slaughter Family probably will be the next one. And yeah. then after that... We're doing each episode uh, is a new movie of Fast and Furious. <laughs> Absolutely and how, not. Who Paul Walker is. No. And we're doing the conspiracy behind his death. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not. Shane. It's very sad. Um, Jeez Louise. But what we are going to do is we're going to, I'm going to go off the rails next year. And just talk about <laughs> everything that I love, like. <laughs> like all right like like alexander uh no wait i i don't want to push uh push push can huh <laughs> push can push in i'll look it up it's he's a serial killer and what he's what are cool. you saying it's such a good serial you can't killer say a episode. serial killer is cool shane you they're not say- cool they're bad they're bad to boo to the bone. No. This is Country Road Creeps. Are we done? Yeah. Th- thanks for listening. <laughs> Be safe driving home. Watch out for the not deer. And watch out for all the really, really cool race cars driving by Fast and Furious style. Watch out for Russian gangsters trying to kill your dog and steal your car, your super cool Mustang. That's a reference to John Wick. John Wick reference. And next episode is the Slaughter Family. And then we're covering all the cool stuff next year. All the super cool serial killers and the super cool everything else. Please say bye. 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 <laughs>